Chapter Thirteen of the Charing Cross Mystery by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Who was she? Late that night, when Heatherwick was thinking things over, a pounding on his stairs and a knock on his outer door heralded the entrance of Matherfield, who, with an expressive look, flung himself into the nearest easy chair. "'For heaven's sake, Mr. Heatherwick, give me a drop of that whisky!' he exclaimed. "'I'm dead beat, and dead disappointed, too. Such a day as I've had after that woman! And what it all means, the Lord only knows. I don't!' Heatherwick helped his evidently far-spent visitor to a whisky-soda, and waited until he had taken a hearty pull at it. Then he resumed his own seat and took up his pipe. "'I gather that you haven't had a very successful day, Matherfield,' he suggested. "'Hope it wasn't exactly a wild goose chase.' "'That's just about what it comes to, then,' exclaimed Matherfield. "'Anyway, after taking no end of trouble, she got clear away, practically under my very nose. "'But I'll tell you all about it. That's what I dropped in for. "'When I went out of that house in St. Mary's Terrace,' She was just turning the corner to the right, Bishop's Roadway. Of course I followed. She went over the bridge, the big railway bridge, and at the end turned down to Paddington Station. I concluded then that she was going up by some early morning train. She entered the station by the first-class booking office. I was not so many yards in her rear then, but instead of stopping there and taking a ticket, she went right through, crossed the station to the arrival platform, and signaled a taxicab. In another minute she was in it and off. Very luckily, there was another cab close by. I hailed that and told the driver to keep the first cab in sight and follow it to wherever it went. So off we went again on another pursuit. And it ended at another terminus, Waterloo. "'Going home, I suppose,' remarked Heatherwick, as Matherfield paused to take up his glass. "'You can get to Dorking from Waterloo.' "'She wasn't going to any Dorking,' answered Matherfield. "'I soon found that out. Early as it was, there were a lot of people at Waterloo, and when she went to the ticket office, I contrived to be close behind her, close enough at any rate to overhear anything she said.' She asked for a first single to Southampton. Southampton, exclaimed Heatherwick. Hmm. Southampton, repeated Matherfield. First single for Southampton. She took the ticket and walked away, looking neither right nor left. She never glanced at me. Well, as I said yesterday, I don't believe in starting out on anything unless I go clean through with it. So, after a minute's thought, I booked for Southampton third. Then I went out and looked at the notice-board. Southampton, 5.40. It was then 5.25. So I went to the telephone office, rang up our headquarters, and told them I was after something they needn't expect to see me all day. Then I bought a timetable and a newspaper or two at the bookstall, just opening, and went to the train. There were a lot of people traveling by it. The train hadn't come up to the platform then, when it came down a minute or two later, I watched her get in it. She was good to spot because of her tall figure. 
I got into a smoker a bit lower down, and in due course, off we went, me wondering, to tell you the truth, precisely why I was going. But I was going wherever she went. Even out of the country? asked Hetherwick with a smile. I, I thought of that, assented Matherfield. She might be slinging her hook for anything I knew. That made me turn to the steamship news in the paper, and I saw then that the Tartaric was due to leave Southampton for New York about two o'clock that very afternoon. Well, there were more improbable things than that she meant to go by it, for reasons of her own, especially if she really is the Mrs. Whittingham of the Sellethwaite affair ten years ago. You see, I thought it out like this. Granting she's Mrs. Whittingham, that was, she'll be astute enough to know that there's no time limit to a criminal prosecution in this country, and that she's still liable to arrest, prosecution, and conviction. She'd probably know, too, that this Hannaford affair has somehow drawn fresh attention to her little matter, and that she's in danger. Again, I'd been working out an idea about her and this man Basveri. How do we know that Basveri wasn't an accomplice of hers in that Sellethwaite fraud? In most cases of that sort, the woman has an accomplice somewhere in the background. Basveri may well have been mixed with her then. And now he may have information that has led him to warn her to make herself scarce, eh? There's something in that, Matherfield, admitted Heatherwick. Yes, decidedly something. There may be a good deal, affirmed Matherfield. You see, we've let those newspaper chaps have a lot of information. I'm a believer in making use of the press. It's a valuable aid sometimes, perhaps generally, but there are other times when you can do too much of it. It's a sort of giving valuable aid to the enemy. I don't know whether we haven't let these reporters know too much about this case. We've let them know, for instance, about the portrait found in Hannaford's pocketbook, and about the sealed packet in which, we believe, was the secret of his patent. All that's been in the papers, though to be sure they didn't make much copy out of it. Still, there was enough for anybody who followed the case closely. Now, supposing that Basvari was Mrs. Whittingham's accomplice ten years ago, and that he'd read all this and seen the reproduction of the portrait, wouldn't he see that she was in some danger and warn her? I think it likely. And I wish we hadn't been quite so free with our news for those paper chaps. I'm glad, anyhow, that there's one thing I haven't told them of, that medicine bottle found at Granite's. There's nobody but me, you, and the medical men who know of that, so far. You think this woman, Lady Rivers Reed, as she is, Mrs. Whittingham as she used to be, was making off to Southampton and possibly farther, on a hint from Basvery, said Heatherwick, ruminatively. Put it this way, replied Matherfield. Of course, you've got to assume a lot, but we can't do without assuming things in this business. Lady Riversreed was formerly Mrs. Whittingham. Mrs. Whittingham did a clever bit of fraud at Sellethwaite and got away with the swag. Basvery was her accomplice. Now then, ten years later, Mrs. Whittingham has become my Lady Riversreed, 
a very wealthy woman. She's suddenly visited by Basvery at Riversreed Court, and is obviously upset by his first visit. He comes again. Three nights later, she's seen to come out of a club which he frequents. She spends most of the night in a flat in a quiet part of London, and next morning slopes off as early as five o'clock to a port, Southampton. What inference is to be drawn? That her visit to Southampton has certainly something to do with Basvery's visits to her, and her visit to Vivian's. "'I think there's something in that, too,' said Heatherwick. "'But we're on the way to Southampton. Go on.' "'Very good train, that,' continued Motherfield. "'We got to Southampton just before eight, a minute or two late. "'I was wanting something to eat and drink by that time, "'and I was glad to see my lady turn into the refreshment room "'as soon as she left her carriage. "'So did I.' I knew she'd never suspect a quiet, ordinary man like me. If she deigned to give me a glance—she's a very haughty-looking woman, I observed—she'd only take me for a commercial traveller. And we were not so far off each other in that room. She sat at a little table, having some tea and so on. I was at the counter. Of course, I never showed that I was taking any notice of her, but I got in two or three good, comprehensive inspections. "'Very good-looking, no doubt of it, Mr. Heatherwick. "'A woman that's worn well. "'But, of course, you've seen that for yourself. "'You must remember that I've only seen her twice,' "'remarked Heatherwick with a laugh. "'Once at Victoria, when Miss Hannaford pointed her out. "'Once night before last, when it was a poorish gaslight. "'But I'll take your word, Matherfield. "'Well, and what happened next?' "'Oh, she took her time over her tea and toast,' continued Matherfield. "'Very leisured in all her movements, I assure you. "'At last she moved off. "'Of course I followed, casually and carelessly. "'Now, as you may be aware, Southampton West, where the train set us down, "'is a bit out of the town, and I expected her to take a cab. "'But she didn't. "'She walked away from the station. "'So did I.' Twenty or thirty yards in the rear. She took her time. It seemed to me she was purposely loitering. It struck me at last why. She was waiting until the business offices were open. I was right in that. As soon as the town clock struck nine, she quickened her pace and made a beeline for her objective. And what do you think that was? No idea, said Heatherwick. White Star Offices answered Matherfield, went straight there, and walked straight in. Of course I waited outside, where she wouldn't see me when she came out again. She was in there about twenty minutes. When she came out, she turned to another part of the town, and near that old gateway, or bar, or whatever it is that stands across the street, I lost her, altogether. Some exceptional reason, I should think, Matherfield, remarked Heatherwick. "'How was it?' "'My own stupid fault,' growled Matherfield. "'Took my eye off her in a particularly crowded part. "'The town was beginning to get very busy. "'I just happened to let my attention be diverted, and she was gone. "'At first I made certain she'd gone into some shop. "'I looked into several, risky as that was, but I couldn't find her. "'I hung about, 
no good. Then I came to the conclusion that she'd turned down one of the side streets or alleys or passages, there were several about there, and got clean away. And after hanging around a bit and going up one street and down another, a poor job in our business at the best of times and all dependent on mere luck, I decided to make a bold stroke and be sure of at any rate something. What? How? asked Heatherwick. I thought I'd find out what she'd gone to the White Star offices for, replied Matherfield. Of course, I didn't want to raise any suspicion against her under the circumstances, but I flattered myself I'm a bit of a diplomatist, and I laid my plans. I went in there, got hold of a clerk who was likely-looking chap for secret-keeping, told him who I was and showed him my credentials, and asked him for the information. I got it. As luck would have it, my man had attended to her himself, and remembered her quite well. Of course, a little more than an hour and a half had passed since she'd been there. And what had she been in for? asked Heatherwick. What did you hear? Matherfield nodded significantly. Just what I expected, he answered. She booked a second-class passage for New York in the Tartaric, sailing that afternoon in the name of H. Cunningham. As soon as I found that out, I knew I should come across her again. There'd be no need going raking town for her. I ascertained that passengers would be allowed to go aboard from two o'clock. The boat would sail between five and six. So, having once more admonished the clerk to secrecy, and given him plausible excuses for my inquisitiveness, I went off to relax a bit, and in due time sat down to an early and comfortable lunch. A man must take his ease now and then, you know, Mr. Heatherwick. Exactly, Matherfield, I quite agree, said Heatherwick. But I dare say your brain was at work all the same while you ate and drank. It was, sir, assented Matherfield. Yes, I made my plans. I wasn't going to New York, of course, that was out of the question but i was going to have speech with her i decided that i'd watch for her coming aboard the tartaric being alone she'd probably come early i proposed to get her aside accosting her of course as lady riversreed tell her who i was and show my papers and ask her if she would give me any information about a certain dr cyprian Bazeri. i thought i'd see how she took that before asking anything further. If I saw that she was taken aback, confused, and especially if she gave me any prevaricating or elusive answer, I'd ask her straight out if before her marriage to the late Sir John Riversreed she was the Mrs. Whittingham who, some ten years ago, stayed for a time at the White Hart Hotel at Sellethwaite, and I practically made up my mind, too, that if she admitted that, and I saw good cause for it, I'd detain her. "'You meant to go as far as that!' exclaimed Heatherwick. "'I did. I should have been justified,' replied Matherfield. "'However, that's neither here nor there, for I never saw her. I was down at the point of departure well before two, and I assured myself that nobody had gone aboard the Tartaric up to that time.' I kept as sharp a lookout as any man with only one pair of eyes could, 
right away from ten minutes to two until five and twenty minutes past five when the boat sailed but she never turned up of course you'll say she must have slipped on unobserved by me but i'm positive she didn't no sir it's my opinion that she thought better of it and didn't go forfeiting her passage money or a part of it would be nothing to a woman of her means or that she was frightened at the last minute of showing herself on that stage frightened why asked heatherwick matherfield laughed significantly there were two or three of our men from scotland yard about he answered i'm not aware of what they were after i didn't ask em but i did ask them to give me a hand in looking out for a lady whom i fully described which is why i'm dead certain she never went aboard now it may have been that she came down there knew you never know some of those chaps and made herself scarce anyway i never set eyes on her never in fact saw her again after i lost her in the morning so that's where i am you came back defeated remarked heatherwick well if you like to call it so admitted matherfield yes i came back by the seven thirty eight dog tired but i'm not through with this yet mr heatherwick and i want you to do something for me this miss hannaford now is down at riversreed court they'll be on the telephone there of course i want you to ring her up early to-morrow morning and ask her if she can meet you on important private business in dorking town at noon where shall we say white horse would do suggested heatherwick very well white horse hotel at noon agreed motherfield we'll go down for i'll go with you by the ten ten from victoria now please be very careful about this mr heatherwick when you telephone don't say anything of any reason for going down to dorking don't on any account mention lady riversreed in any way merely tell miss hannaford that you have urgent reasons for seeing her and fix it up oh i can fix it up all right answered heatherwick miss hannaford can easily drive down from riversreed court but i don't know what you want her for wait till morning replied matherfield with a knowing look you'll see i'll meet you at victoria at ten o'clock sharp End of chapter thirteen